Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast today, as always, is provided by the artist Friend of Yours. Make sure to go check out their music. We will put a link in the description. This is a podcast where we will dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today, we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song Disturbia by Rihanna pop? This is episode 11 of our show, and it's about time that we get to a full-blown Rihanna song, I think, guys. A um, mm-hmm. lot of things to choose from, but this was one that kind of stuck out that wasn't mentioned in previous episodes to do. Yeah, when you look at Rihanna, you know, you think of a pop diva, and I think if anybody were to assume the throne after Britney Spears, Princess of Pop, I don't know what you call Rihanna. People need to get on that. I call her the pop mogul. She's, she's an like entrepreneur. A mogul now. She's, yeah. every, she's a mogul. Every she's a boss-ass woman. That's um, a good point. And she definitely took that role head-on from the midpoint of the decade on and is still going. Uh, yeah, there was a point in her career where she was releasing an album every year. Um, insane output. Now we got to wait a lot longer in between yeah. albums, but usually pretty good now waiting for her albums and it's kind of like one of those things i feel like it's like kendrick that way when it's like when are they going to drop and like it's kind of out of not nowhere but it's like hey when i'm back i'm back and i've been you know doing other stuff but i've been keeping the creative drive going so maybe she'll drop something in the next year or two maybe a little bit less too we can hope it'd be really cool i mean as it is you know i i've always like well, not always, but basically in the past decade, and I kept telling myself this during the wait for anti. Um, I, I mean, she's she's given us more than enough. <laughs> we are indebted to her. I mean, she basically had, yeah, she had a full decade of not her first. The first act of her career is insane. I, I mean, obviously, we'll get into that a little bit, but like, it's it's wild to think from uh, Ponder Replay to. Uh, to you know when when she started her hiatus in around 2012 ish like that that was basically seven straight years of some of the biggest songs of the decade and some of all time Mm -hmm. and i even think of all the features that she has too i mean like i know that maybe it's not the best song in the world but love the way you lie like that was huge to get rihanna you know just in that sense um you think of her with drake of course so like take care um and even you know with um work and all or that was her song but still it's like you know just these vibes that you get with her that it's like she will take over anything i know we joked about before like drake featuring drake it's almost like rihanna featuring rihanna on stuff our first episode live your life um i mean that's an example of that if you had a hip-hop song that you wanted to do very well uh you got rihanna Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and very versatile i think we'll get into some of that too with what she's done uh like a lot of pop artists too um any music you guys have been listening to this week i've been doing a lot of uh kid cuddy this week i don't know that's what i've been really driving on so maybe we'll get to some of his stuff uh coming up eventually um but favorite artists of mine so i've been listening to a lot of his stuff and kind of looking back um on things i haven't had a lot of new music we talked about da baby um getting his first number one i have to check out that song um also six nine is like going off on instagram (laughs) live i guess you guys were talking about that uh we're recording on friday but it was the thursday before we recorded i'm like what the hell is going on with six he had over 800 yeah that was a whole thing peering in and i think he might have had a larger audience before um he did i was uh i was a part of that first one just out of straight up curiosity from post prison six nine and I think he hit. I think he hit two, two million, million the first time. Yeah, that well, that was him fresh out of prison, yeah, and then yeah, now he's still on house arrest. He has plenty of time, and you know, people tuning into that—that's larger than a lot of American cities. Uh, seeing what this rainbow-haired troll doll yeah. has to say, <laughs> that might be bigger than like two millions. Like maybe bigger than some population. Yeah, of Wyoming definitely. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the, and with that audience, he comes on there and just literally pulls out a list of people he wants to talk shit about (laughs) right (laughs) yeah he's got us talking I mean that's a that's the point 
I haven't been listening to much, to be honest, but I did want to point out Black Eyed Peas, not the Black Eyed Peas. They're now Black Eyed Peas. Um, to circle back from our last episode, they just released a new single called No Manana. Uh, so this is the third single from them that has been uh, catered to a Latin American audience. And they have an artist named El Alpha, who I'm unfamiliar with, but people more familiar with reggaeton might be on this song. So it's just clear they're pivoting toward more of a uh, Latin American sound because they've exhausted um, this market, the English speaking market. So kudos to them. Trying to stay alive. Yeah. Stay stay alive and and keep making new stuff. Chris, what have you been listening to? Yeah. I mean, so uh, a couple days ago, um, I, I, I stumbled upon um, an artist from Australia called Nina Jirachi. Nina Jirachi, maybe I don't know, but all I know is that half her name is Jirachi, like the Pokemon, which is rad. Um, anyway, she, she's awesome. uh, she's she's an electronic producer. Um, just dropped a great new EP called Blue Air. Um, fantastic music. It's like halfway between PC music type pop and like hard style techno. Um, she uh, she's very much kind of um, Gen Z underground electronic. Definitely a fan. Um, I've been listening to Kelly Lee Owens. Um, she's got a new album coming out soon and her song night, uh, keeps is one that I keep coming back to. It's kind of a, another house song. Um, kind of like kind of more electro house, but, um, the way it builds reminds me a lot of dance yourself clean by LCD sound system. Um, and then, uh, actually roses <laughs> by St. John, the, um, I don't remember who actually did that remix of it, but the TikTok remix of it is the one that everyone knows. I do like that, but I finally got around listening to the original this week, and it's actually really good. Um, those, uh, and then also uh, Deaf Sound is an artist who I stumbled upon recently on a live stream. Um, he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely a really talented rapper. He's got some really good um, spoken word pieces as well, but um, his work with artists like channel trace, um, doing kind of, um, kind of funk influenced house, um, really remind, really reminded me of almost Anderson Pac, um, type Anderson Pac, Catronata sort of vein. Um, hmm. that, that one, uh, that, that's been one of my biggest, uh, things I keep coming back to this past week. Yeah. That sounds pretty interesting. Uh, Anderson Pac is amazing and the song you do with Catronata is also amazing too. So we'll be good. So, um, I don't know. Oh, and the new Shamir song. Oh Listen yes. I did song. see that, awesome. that there's new Shamir. I didn't see that. On my own. We saw him, we saw him at pitchfork. Uh, that, that was a crazy show. Yeah, uh, he's when, had when a hell of a career. career. Yeah, that was awesome. So, well, I know that we've been not updating as much on our uh, playlist, but make sure that you still go check it out uh, for songs that you might not know even that's going on with that. But let's get into the episode. As you all know by now, legality, it sucks, but we can't play the song. So go listen to it. Go listen to Disturbia. Um, Get your mind into remembering the song for the beat, the production, what Rihanna's career was up to that point and has been um, to this point as well. Um, And on the other side, we'll break it down with some memories, history, production, and lyrics. And listen to some notes that remind you of Disturbia, and we'll see you on the other side. Now that we are back, let's get into some first reactions on this song. Um, I'll kind of start. I thought that this song originally, when you hear it and you think about this song being called Disturbia, I thought it was named in accordance with the movie. And if you guys don't know what the movie is, Disturbia was with Shia LaBeouf. Um, I can't remember who else was in it. Was Megan Fox in that movie? It was like someone. Uh, no, she was in Transformers. Okay, though. Same time. With Shia okay. LaBeouf. So okay, maybe. Kinda... But Shia LaBeouf was in Disturbia. <laughs> um, I never actually ended up seeing the movie. I think it was one of those that like everyone in middle school wanted to go see, and my parents were like, "Yeah, we're not, we're not having Definitely. you go see that movie by yourself." And I was like, "This sucks." Um, but yeah. anyway, so I, I thought that that was, poster. yeah. So I thought that that's what the it was maybe around because it wasn't originally on the album, and then like it was released, mm-hmm. and it was, so I was like, oh, this sounds like it would be, but it was actually a year later that it came out, um, the movie Disturbia. So I remember this song. 
I remember it being pretty much uh, upbeat, which is weird because it's not really an upbeat song. Like with the lyrics and everything, we'll kind of get into that. But um, it is probably in Rihanna's top 20. I don't know if it's in her top 10, but I do like the song a lot. And I think that it was a, a really good song for her career at the point that she was. Yeah, she was riding a high, and um, this is like a very classic mid-career Rihanna smash hit. Um, no, there is no formal tie between the movie and the song, but I don't think it was an accident that it was a year later. Um, I'll get into that in a bit in my segment, but I, I think that was kind of calculated that it was only mm-hmm. a year out. Yeah, it's a it's definitely one of those songs that I'm not going to say that it doesn't come up when you discuss Rihanna, but it's not the first one. Um, and it's, it's funny. I mean, um, it, it's one, it's definitely a song that uh, out of context is a little confusing. Um, you don't necessarily expect a kind of horror influenced rave song to hit, <laughs> to hit number one on billboard at really any point, but especially in the mid two thousands. Um, but that's kind of the power of Rihanna. Um, she completely mm-hmm. made this song her own. Um, I, I mean, she's uh, she's been on record saying um, when when it came time to pick the next single from the album, she was the one who pushed hard for this one. You can tell it's uh, it's definitely kind of a product of her own style. So, in fact, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of kind of some of the songs that she'd end up doing on Anti, like Woo with Travis Scott and uh, uh, a few others on there, like. Definitely one of the earlier instances of Rihanna just really letting her style out. Yeah, 100%. This was, I think, when we talk a lot about our generation and, you know, we're all 25, 26. And I think this is one that you're like, okay, this is one that I listened to a lot and it was on the radio. I mean, you listen to a lot of Rihanna if you listen to any type of pop music, but this was one that you were like, this is going to be one that I think of and have memories with uh, the most. Great. Well, let's get into some of the history surrounding Rihanna. I know we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, We could probably do a whole hour or two on just the career of Rihanna, (laughs) I feel, and what she's done um, up to this point. I know we've had a lot of groups and a lot of artists that have done it, but it seems like Rihanna has even done even more, just even not with music, but outside of music as well. So, Ryan, take it away on Rihanna. Yeah, um, so with a career as long as Rihanna, this is in the middle of her career. Um, We'll kind of jump, we'll brush through the early stuff, but if this podcast goes as long as we want it to, we'll definitely visit an earlier song where we'll get into her background because it is very interesting. Um, So her first two albums, she releases the first one in 2005, Music of the Sun. She's 16, I think, 16 or 17. Crazy young. Very Caribbean, um, think of Ponda Replay. That song charted pretty high, I think number two. Um, interesting tidbit here. Jay-Z, um, somebody approached him with signing her. And he was worried that she wouldn't live up to the height of the song. He is quoted as saying, I sign artists, not songs. I mean, Jay-Z is maybe one of the best businessmen um, to ever live. Um, maybe that's a little out there but he <laughs> he knows what he's doing i mean that's what i'm basically saying he's a businessman not a, business. a businessman <laughs> yes, i'm glad that you said it um but <laughs> he he is very smart and he knows what has to happen and it even happened with kanye i mean he didn't sign him off of you know uh izzo and all that and he wanted to make sure so that makes yeah. sense that he would say that but looking back it's like also like shit man like that song was huge just just sign her I mean, I don't blame him for thinking she can't possibly follow that up because it was it was a damn good song and still is, you know, and then pretty quickly she proved that wrong. Yeah, she definitely proved that wrong and more. She would eventually sign to Rock Nation in 2014. Spoiler alert. So he uh, corrected that error. But yeah, Music of the Sun, pretty good debut album, has a very high charting single. Uh, she releases A Girl Like Me, second album in 2006. This is more of a shift towards American pop, but still rooted in that island Caribbean sound. Um, critics, the largest thing they said is they called her a Beyonce mimicry um, from her fashion to her music in the album. Kind of makes sense, but I still think that's a little too harsh. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't agree with that. 
That's what they said. Uh, I don't agree, but you know, critics are going to critic. So now we kind of get this background going into her third album, um, Good Girl Gone Bad. And this was released in 2007. The two major changes is one, she's going to switch from her Caribbean sound. It's going to have a lot of pop and dance and R&B, more just American pop and what was popular at the time, more shifting toward an urban um, sound. Uh, the producer stimulus was huge on this album. You have The Dream, Timbaland, a guy we mentioned on nearly every episode for a reason. Tricky Stewart, J.R. Rodham, J.J.J.J.R., <laughs> uh, Stargate, and even more. Uh, the list goes on. So the studio definitely gave her the resources to make a giant pop album. Um, but the second change was her own. She wanted to change her look. This is when we get shorter hair, Rihanna. She becomes more edgy. Um, it's not exactly just sexualized in the way we talk about Britney Spears, but she's also being rebellious. Um, she's talking about more adult content. And she had a quote about this. She said, I didn't want to listen to anybody. I didn't consult with anybody. I just want to have a little more fun with my music and be a little bit more experimental in terms of my image and sound. I just reinvented myself. Oh, yeah. So while that... Yeah, that first decision to like give her all the producers and shift toward the sound, that might have come from the studio, but we got to give her credit. This seems like a self-revolution. And what label is she on at this point? Def Jam. Oh, okay. Def Jam. So that that is the label she signed through the majority of her career, really um, popping out hit after hit on. She has recently left that as, uh, as soon as Anti. And it's now in Rock Nation. Who used to yes. be under Def Jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See the there, yeah. So, so, yeah. So we get these two major changes, one being the sound of the album, the second being Rihanna's image. And the result is a global smash record. Um, it releases on May 31st, 2007. Good Girl Gone Bad debuts at number two on the Billboard 200 chart and is certified six-time platinum. In addition to huge success in the States, it reaches number one on the UK album charts. And you guys know the hits from this album. I'll just list them out. You get Umbrella, number one, Shut Up and Drive, Hate That I Love You, great song. Don't Stop the Music, and Rehab. Chris loves that song. Also a great song. Also all great songs. I do uh, so critics loved it. They loved the new direction. The result is acclaim seven Grammy nominations from this album at the 2008 Grammys. Um, Umbrella wins the Grammy for the best rap song collaboration and is really one of the songs of the decade um, described by most critics and it's also ranked um, historically by Rolling Stone on the 500 greatest songs of all time list at number 412 so this album is huge and Def Jam is huge and they say Rihanna we want more we want more the people want more <laughs> so what do we get we get in one year later, June second, two thousand eight. Good girl gone bad. Colon reloaded. Oh, that sounds familiar to another artist that we saw, Lady Gaga. Later. Lady Gaga. Yeah, there's a major difference here though. Um, the Fame Monster, I think, had eight to ten songs. It's escaping me at the moment. This reissue only had three new songs, and critics were like, "What's the point of making a reissue if you're going to do that?" I will give them credit. They did a Spanglish version for Hate That I Love You, so you can maybe count three and a half, four if you're being pretty liberal. But still, that's less than what Lady Gaga did with the Fame Monster. Do you think it's because... Do you think it's because... In a lot of ways. Like, doing an EP was maybe frowned upon uh, as much back then. I think, like, EPs were made a little bit more, you know, famous by electronic producers uh, around this time, but... A huge pop star doesn't really make an EP like of three or four or five songs. I'd say that's definitely a part of it. Um, I think, in fact, though, um, it's actually, if you look at what was happening at the time, um, in general, it was actually more, it was actually more common for the three, three, four, maybe five song uh, reissue as opposed to the, um, as opposed to the almost full new album Fame Monster. Um, I remember Fame this is Monster a treat. Like, this is a oh, snack God, with wow, two C's. That's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I mean, when this song, uh, when this uh, reissue came out, it was uh, 
you know, we were still in the era of CDs pretty solidly. Um, it, there was, there was always kind of, okay, so are you going to just do a second disc and basically waste most of the disc or are we just going to work within whatever the time limit of the CD that was left over was? And I could see them going with the, with the former. Now I say that, and I don't know if they release this as a double disc. I remember another thing at the time was always kind of the CD DVD. That's what it was. And, yep. They included okay. the DVD. There you go. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely a relic of the time though. I mean, you know, nowadays you have, <laughs> I, I remember not long ago, The weekend put out an album, then put out a deluxe edition, then put out a remix EP, then tacked the remix EP onto the deluxe edition, <laughs> and then pulled it back out, and then put another, another couple songs on the deluxe Yeah, but that's edition. in the area of streaming now, where you're trying to get all the exactly. streams, and it helps. Much yeah. more flexible. And, and the end goal of all of this, all these tactics, they might have evolved um, in the different eras of how we listen to music, but it's just to give that original title, Good Girl Gone Bad, more sales. You're trying to give it more credit. So that's just interesting ways in how that's changed, but the end goal is still the same. Yeah. So the three songs I mentioned that are new, you get Take a Bow, number one, If I Never See Your Face Again, uh, Maroon 5. That's... Uh, I think it was a Maroon 5 slash Rihanna song. I think they also put it on their album. I might be wrong there. And then you get Disturbia. And how did the reissue get Disturbia? Well, this is interesting. Uh, A guy named Chris Brown wrote the song. Uh, Do you guys think we should bleep that out whenever we say Chris Brown? Can you do that or is that too much editing? (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even know how to do uh, edits. We've we've also we've also mentioned him before. Yeah, no worries. In your mind, whenever I say Chris Brown, or whenever we say Chris Brown throughout this podcast, just associate bad with it. (laughs) Yeah, this was this is pretty pretty uh, pretty briefly before events happened with Chris Brown and Rihanna that uh, we would end up. you know, this was this was still in the time period. I remember where Chris Brown was this up and coming kind of fresh faced kid, you know. Yeah, it was prior to the uh, domestic abuse assault, really, uh, that he would commit on Rihanna a few years later. And they were in a relationship at this point. Um, so, I mean, yes, he was fresh faced. He was at the top of his game at the charts. He was kind of, you know, a safe choice for pop. And it makes sense why he made this song. Um, he wrote the song with the team, the Graffiti Artists, uh, that has a Z in it, and it was originally meant to be on his uh, album Exclusive in 2007, and this is where I want to get to the tie-in between the song Disturbia and the movie. I think Chris Brown and his team wrote the song and titled the song Disturbia, knowing that movie was going to come out. The movie comes out on April 13th, 2007. Exclusive was supposed to come out in November. That's only a few months later. And if you think about the target audience of Disturbia, you mentioned it was a huge um, movie for us in that era of middle school. Who consumes and buys pop music? It's that demographic, uh, preteens and teens. So um, there was no, I mean, this song was not featured in the movie. The movie's not referenced in the song, but it makes sense. Um, However, Chris Brown thinks the song is too feminine when it's wrote for him. And uh, a little song named Forever eventually became the lead single. So that's what they replaced it with. Now Disturbia's not on the album. Who does he send it to? He thinks it's feminine. He says, I'll share this with my girlfriend. So that's how we get Rihanna getting the song Disturbia. So yeah, the movie might have not led to the title of the song, but the term Disturbia was around far before the movie. The word is a blend of disturbed and suburbia, it's somewhat of an oxymoron. You think of the suburbs as a safe place. However, in the 1960s, there was a psychological study in New Jersey named the Split Level Trap. And uh, the term was used because the psychologist painted suburban life as a hotbed for mental illness, heart attacks, and ulcers. So, disturbia, disturbed suburbia. This term was later used in a novel by Christopher Fowler in 1997. The title is Disturbia. Uh, We had a designer, Frank Major, make a clothing brand and name it Disturbia. And then we get the movie in 2007, Disturbia. So do I think that the movie led 
to the name Disturbia, no, but it was intentional due to the movie's timing and the target demographic. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, clever term, and I think it's a very 20th century thing popping up in the yeah. 21st. So the release, Disturbia, is the fourth single released from this uh, reissue. However, it was the first single released after it was actually released to the public. And Chris mentioned this, that Rihanna made that decision. And this is an interesting point in her career because she's still young. She's like 20 or 21. And she assumed direction here. She took the bull by the horns. So, uh, the, yeah, L.A. Reed, the head of Def Jam Recordings, said that Rihanna approached her and said, this was the first time Rihanna actually came to me and said, here's the song I want to put out. She played me the song, and that was her taking control. And she knew what was up because this song, as soon as it's released, debuts at number 18. It goes to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 on August 14th, 2008, only two or three months after it's released. And it's the fourth overall top 10 hit and the third number one single from Good Girl Gone Bad. And this is a huge landmark moment because this ties her with Beyonce and Mariah Carey for the most number one singles in a decade. And you have to consider she had a later start than both of those artists. Her career started in 2005. So she's only working with half a decade here. Wild. She had such a rapid ascent. No, it it is wild. And I think this song, uh, the impact of this song kind of is the exclamation mark on her being a diva and a pop culture icon like she was a successful pop artist before but now she has three number one hits um a really successful album most artists can get three hits in their lifetime but three number ones from the same album is pretty rare and disturbia was the last one and really the exclamation point on good girl gone bad and that whole era of rihanna where we get rihanna the pop diva the icon And what Chris mentioned, she's taking control and choosing to release this song as the first single after it's released. That kind of would tease at her becoming an entrepreneur, a business mogul, as we discussed earlier in the episode. She's asserting control, and now she has an entrepreneurial career herself. She has Fenty. She has fragrances. She has all these items. I don't even know. She moved to London just to manage it all, and is kind of like... um, I wouldn't say she put music at the backseat, but she's juggling a lot right now, and music is just one of those many things. Yeah, I know the Fenty line is like very like reasonably priced too. I know, so it's like kind of like you know, very mm-hmm. much. I know a lot of like the bigger brands are like were expensive for no reason. So I think it was like her way to also make things that affordable too, which it makes sense with her career as successful as it's been. But she could have just been like, it's going to be expensive, but she has done a reasonable job and i think that that's part of uh of it that's really cool too that's a great point yeah she's like uh she's known as a fashion icon she's been going to the met gala forever and you think of that it's like very high-end fashion so to release something to the masses that's affordable in addition to being fashionable is actually a pretty cool thing she's also done a lot of philanthropy work she's appeared in six movies after disturbia some of those include battleship Oceans 8 and Guava Island with Childish Gambino, who directed it. Pretty interesting flick on Amazon Prime. I do recommend it. I like it a lot. Because it's very music-oriented, yeah. And then, uh, as we discussed, like this was just the midpoint of her career. Music-wise, she's going to release four albums in four consecutive years. After Good Girl Gone Bad, you get Rated R, Loud, Talk That Talk, unapologetic and back-to-back-to-back-to-back years, which is insane. And then there's a little bit of a break. In 2016, we get Anti, which is really her first under um, Jay-Z's Rock Nation and really shows her assuming creative control in terms of release and business control in terms of release strategy, content, lyrics, production. That was such a different sounding album too. Like it really helped shape kind of pop music at the time um, maybe that's going a little too far but it was very much a stepping stone in the direction of this is where pop could go so i think a lot of people now that are in pop have rihanna to thank for a lot of reasons but especially the new age oh, yeah. of pop uh, with anti yeah i don't think that's an exaggeration at all she like 
work going number one and going number one for 10 weeks was, you know, that was definitely a turn. And then Drake just rips off the sound uh, for, you know, the for <laughs> the next 18 months. <laughs> hey, credit to him. He ripped himself yeah, off for Yeah, once. so, I mean, that's the thing is, like, he's like, oh, this is great. I'm going to take it and run with it uh, for my next two mixtapes. <laughs> Do you think there's, like... A history between Jake and Rihanna. Drake and Rihanna. Oh, I just called him Jake. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little Drake bit. Would like I you don't know. Think so. Yeah, they were both like successful at the same time. I wonder if they ever crossed paths. I bet Drake. Uh, I I could see her rejecting Drake multiple times, and then him getting sad boy about it. He talks. Uh, yeah, I think he's <laughs> talked about uh, their relations in some songs too. I was gonna say, I feel like Drake would like us to think that, <laughs> that they would have been together. At yeah, some I don't point. know. Maybe they've crossed paths once or twice before work happened. So, anything else? No, I think that's it. I think uh, we'll definitely cover Rihanna again. We'll cover her earlier career, later career, and this is just mid-career Rihanna really assuming form in terms of music um, prowess, and then really showing her business chops as well. Yeah, like I, like we said mogul and glad that she's here doing a bunch of different stuff and hopefully we get some music from her soon maybe she's you know cooking up in silence they still have recording studios over in london some pretty famous ones too actually so who knows all right chris let's talk about some production and everything Um, i'm excited to hear about production with this song because it's pretty sound and pretty you know all over the place but very compact at the same time yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely all over the place. I'll give you that. Um, one of the one of the things that I when I when listening back for this podcast that I didn't necessarily process as much at the time was that um, other than the um, other than just kind of the main four on the floor production rhythm, um, there was a lot going around going on in terms of you know kind of foley effects, percussion. Um, and it very much is almost theatrical. Um, so the song is uh, compositionally pretty, um, not simplistic necessarily, but it's very much based in kind of um, kind of standard pop canon. Um, it's a it's a one one three six five chord progression in B minor. Um, I, I believe it's in the one twenties. It's kind of standard uh, electronic dance. Um, you know, four on the floor, kick drums, very similar, and people noted at the time, very similar to Don't Stop the Music. Um, it's uh, it's definitely a song on its face that seems unassuming, um, but you know, we haven't gotten the lyrics, and I'll and I'll uh, I won't um, I won't kind of usurp that, but that's the lyrics. I think tie in great with how dramatic the production is. Um, how dark the production is um, a lot for for a song that uses a pretty a pretty standard uh, 50s progression um, for its chords it's very it's still very dramatic and almost almost dark um, the fact that it's uh, the fact that it that it had such pop success um, I think was kind of solidifying the efficacy of that sound not just um not just kind of the early 2000s late 90s kind of post rave sound um coming back as it were um i remember uh i remember at the time um uh, a friend of mine actually said this sounds like rihanna doing share <laughs> um which is which is such a weird statement in a lot of ways, but I guarantee he was talking about believe and in that's that what way, I have playing in my sense. head. Yeah, yeah. Um, it uh, but the it, it definitely kind of proved the case that don't stop the music put forth, um, and in in a lot of ways I think influenced the next uh the next several years of pop music. I mean, this is a pretty direct precursor to the EDM um pop era. We had, um, you know, you had a chorus that almost directly referenced Blue Dabba D by Eiffel 65, even. Um, the hook is, uh, the hook is pretty, um, the hook is pretty earwormy, I'll say. Um, but it's, it's almost menacing if you, uh, if you think about it. She's pretty monotone, almost kind of blank eyed, 
um again going back to the lyrics like this is almost kind of a dissociated feeling and the um, video if you watch the music video you totally mm-hmm. get the vibe that the production the lyrics are trying to drive it's really terrifying really a weird step in rihanna's career i mean she had a lot of hits <laughs> yeah, to this point and they were sunshiny island reggaeton influenced bops and then you get disturbia so i think the production was really kind of a turn yeah. for her i i think it's i think it does say a lot that this is what she said hey I'm putting this one out, um, you know, and it's interesting, too, because she definitely um, she was definitely already kind of on a path to the archetypical like, OK, guys, you know, I was young. Now I'm older and now I'm writing about more mature things. Go on and take a bow <laughs> like that sort of um, that sort of situation. And this was almost OK. I did that. But here's what else. I'm also Rihanna. And this is this is a this is a very powerful statement. Yeah, in order to take from like I know like Lady Gaga when she says I'm a free bitch, baby, it kind of seems like this was like Rihanna's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm like, this is me breaking out. It did. Uh, it did remind me a lot of Bad Romance when I listened back to it. I will say, um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if you know Red One was kind of thinking of Rihanna when working on gaga's stuff the next few years um just in terms of kind of the production and what the sound was at the time a lot of the same sorts of percussion and drum kits um so in terms of the folks behind this um a couple of notable names um the the main two producers credited we mentioned chris brown is the main songwriter but uh he wrote the song with one of the song's co-producers brian kennedy and Brian Kennedy, uh, Kansas City-based musician. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Um, he's uh, shout, out, shout out. He's um, he's got quite the um, he's got quite the track record behind him. But this was actually in his kind of early years. Um, he had worked with Sierra on her uh, album "The Evolution" um, a few years prior. Um, worked with Mario Vasquez of American Idol fame. Um, worked with Brandy, but his first real major hit um, as a producer and songwriter was a co-production with Paula Don on forever by Chris Brown. Um, These two songs are definitely kindred spirits in a lot of ways, both in terms of sound and just in terms of the Genesis of them. Um, Well, you know, it's, it's hard to separate this from the Chris Brown story, obviously. Um, But this, so this song um, along with forever uh, both of which hit number one in the same year at different times. Um, that kind of kickstarted a pretty solid, um, a pretty solid several years for him. That included another Rihanna production, Firebomb on Rated R. Great song. Mm-hmm. Um, underrated album, then, too. Uh, very underrated album. Um, he'd go on to work with Chris Brown again on Don't Wake Me Up. Um, and Rihanna again on anti on a few songs so um he's uh he's kind of continued to um work within that same lane uh he also had less less uh name brand uh production credits on kelly clarkson's album um with uh with what doesn't kill you makes you stronger um ego death by the internet very different Um, songs right there Yeah, yeah. Um, he even worked with Daughtry in 2018. God. Take that for what you will. Bless his heart. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, still going, still um, still developing hits, still representing KC. Um, of course, he's the co-producer, and the other person um, co-producing the song uh, is a woman named Makiba Riddick, who um, is also known as Girl Wonder, um, oh. who also ha- has... Not not Wonder Girl. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was like Wonder Girl who works <laughs> no. who's worked with uh, Travis Scott. Okay, sorry, Girl Wonder, not Wonder no, Girl. No important distinction. Wonder Girl is also fantastic. Shout out to Wonder Girl. Um, this is okay, Girl Wonder. Sorry. Um, but but she is credited by her by her given name, Makiba Riddick Woods, um, on many uh on many of her work. So um, she has actually been working with Rihanna, um, from a girl like me. And a few songs on Music of the Sun um, on mostly vocal production for her. So we all know Rihanna has a very consistent and very just 
notable vocal presence. Um, she always sticks out in a song in the best way. She always has kind of a kind of an airy, dynamic presence, but still very commanding. You can thank Makiba for how uh, how she's um, how she's kind of engineered her vocals around a number of different styles at the uh, really. Um, but in addition to that, she uh, she is a singer songwriter as well as a producer. Um, so in addition to just the vocals, she is credited as co uh, as a co producer here um, on if if it's loving that you want off of Music of the Sun um, on Unfaithful off a girl like me. She um, she would end up working on a number of songs on Good Girl Gone Bad, um, mostly album tracks. Push up on me, say it, sell me candy. Um, she she would then go on, and I actually really like Sell Me Candy. I remember that song. I need to listen to that. The title I've it's, forgotten it. I've probably heard it before. It's but a thing. The title just lures you in, like a stranger it's selling a candy. Like a stranger selling candy, <laughs> but a good thing. Um, so she uh she'd then go on to co-produce rude boy uh we all know that one um a few years later uh she'd work on cheers drink to that skin off of loud and love the way you lie um she would uh and now at this point it's not saying whether or not she was just doing vocal engineering but she does have co-production credits so nothing to sneeze at um in between those, she kind of stopped working with Rihanna after Loud. Um, but in between those, she had credits with JoJo, um, with Cassie, with Beyonce, notably all over the album B-Day. She's responsible for Deja Vu, Get Me Bodied, Upgrade You. Like, what? <laughs> um, she, uh, she actually even had engineering credits on Live Your Life. That, I would assume, is for vocals. Um, and worked uh worked with Kellis on the wonderful acapella in 2010 um she even actually crossed paths with our friend lady gaga um on uh on wale's chillin one of the only lady gaga features in the world yep yep so uh <laughs> so that's um so that's makiba riddick really um, an unsung who... hero if we think of rihanna's voice Absolutely. I mean, the engineering that goes into a pop star in a number of different ways is pretty impressive. But when you think of someone like Rihanna, whose voice is just, you know, kind of a smack the pause button moment consistently, like that's a that's an incredible uh, feat to have crafted the Rihanna voice for her for the majority of her biggest hits. So anyway, shout out to her. Um I'd say the only last thing that I would um, that I would note about Disturbia's production is just it's uh, it. I mean, I, I touched on this before, but it's definitely a precursor to the next several years of pop music being based in electro pop and dance pop. Um, critics at the time noted that it was uh, it was definitely kind of you know based in we mentioned Cher, the early two thousands, late two thousand, uh, late nineties rave. Uh, sound and kind of on the same um, kind of on the same note she actually does notably use autotune and a vocoder at different points in the song um, to to almost you know merge with the electronic sort of beat uh, it really does kind of drill home the dramatic almost out of body experience uh, that the song is trying to get across um, I think in general, it's one of those songs that really, really was of its time, but not in a bad way at all. Um, and definitely you can see its influence within a number of hit songs, both in the immediate future and long since then. I mean, um, Break Free by Ariana Grande oh, totally. is another one that came to mind listening to it. Um, just a, a number of little production uh little little twinkles and whatnot that they threw in in the background throughout um so i definitely say it's aged well yeah so age like wine i know we're not doing the segment but age like wine mm -hmm. age like wine. wine i'd say so absolutely so great great breakdown of the production um so i will now get into the lyrics and like chris said the lyrics do drive the song very much so 
um, and really add to it. I think that another song, and this is going to be very random, but does the same thing is is Temperature by Sean Paul. And it's weird that I know that because I've listened to the um, instrumental and I'm like, this song does not sound good without Sean Paul in it. So I think this is one of them that is kind of the same way. Um, and it starts right with the intro, actually, um, where she goes with, you know, she's just kind of just singing along like someone else sing along with the bomb bomb be dumb bomb bomb be dumb bomb and when i was listening to this in the car today i was like wow like you can kind of hear the production behind it and you know correct me if i'm wrong chris mm-hmm. but it really is her saying it that is the main star of that and actually almost the production is in the background uh with that part well, I'd almost say it's the production is is the bottom half mm-hmm. of the vocals. She basically that's where the vocoder really comes in. She's get, she's sticking exactly to the notes being played underneath her voice, and it really kind of feels robotic, but kind of menacing. It's yeah, it definitely stops you in your tracks. And that syllable thing is something that Rihanna has done throughout her career with umbrella mm-hmm. Ella Ella mm-hmm. a, and I mean think of any Rihanna song you'll probably hear it in there and this is another great example of uh syllables that we've mentioned the Swedes know very well and so does Rihanna from the Barbados yeah so it was mm-hmm. crazy that this song just starts off with like right away like when you play the song it's just right away from the start like there's no like really you know you know intro in or you know lulling in it's like right from the start so you get that and you have her you know talking what's wrong with me why do i feel like this i'm going crazy now um and she goes into the verse and actually when i was looking through a lot of these lyrics i thought i knew these lyrics a lot better than they were um but i look at some of these now and i'm like oh actually i don't know if i knew them uh, as well as i could so i'll, I'll kind of break down uh, some of them um that i have so the first verse is very short um, not a lot to really talk about it, uh, with it really. Um, she says all my life on my head. Don't want to think about it. Feel like I'm going insane. Yeah. I think that really breaks down to what Stefan had talked about with the, you know, disturbia or with the you know, mental illness, maybe, or different things. Not maybe that Rihanna was thinking about that, but that kind of falls hand in hand. Um, in that, and it is this just eerie song of like, you know, you kind of like, when you hear the lyrics and you hear the song, you're like, Am I going crazy? Like, am I hearing things that are going in the song? And I think that's a whole point of the song, too. Um, then you get into the the pre-chorus. Uh, it's a thief in the night that comes and grabs you. It can creep up inside you and consume you. A disease of the mind, it can control you. It's too close for comfort. Um, so kind of the same type of thing. It's kind of crazy that it's like the disturbia or the, you know, living in the suburbs is kind of like that, like, you know, oh, maybe like it's too quiet out here. Maybe I don't know what's going on. Um, I kind of think this is a weird analogy, but um, in the show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they have an episode where Mac and um, Dennis move out to the suburbs and they literally drive themselves insane from moving from the city into the suburbs. So I thought it was kind of <laughs> funny um, to like think about that. They like literally go crazy dealing with their neighbors and dealing with how quiet things are and things like that. So maybe that is what she's trying to get with like the suburbia or the disturbia uh in this way um chorus breakdown put on your brake lights you're in the city of wonder ain't gonna play nice watch out you might just go under better think twice your train of a thought will be altered so if you must falter be wise i'm gonna be honest wait, wait. i did not know that any of those were the whoa, lyrics whoa, whoa. put on your brake lights yep. i thought it was put on yeah. your drink ice nope it's put on your brake lights nope. so when i looked at that i was like maybe i've been singing gibberish this whole time but I didn't. I, kind of a wild chorus like you don't i i don't think i even thought through how much i didn't know of the no. song for no. the longest, you just kind of sing along and you're like you're like <laughs> you know so like it's just syllables it took me a long time to catch city of wonder i don't know what i thought she was saying but that one in particular is like when i looked slurry. at that i was like none of those lyrics were what i thought they were uh actually and chris brown wrote this which uh, he has a vocabulary yeah so maybe i don't know it, it was one of those things that i think maybe 
like the lyrics were meant to be distorted and a little bit of like you oh wait what are we hearing what are we not hearing too but not what i thought at all um and i think everyone can hear the post chorus like that's one that you can hear your mind's in disturbia it's like the darkness in the is the light disturbia i'm scaring you tonight your mind's in disturbia 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 you know so you get that one then you get another refrain where she goes into her bum be bum be dumbs um amazing um verse two faded pictures on the wall it's like they're talking to me when i was listening to this in the car it doesn't necessarily go left to right like some songs go you know when you're hearing the headphones or anything but it is the like faded maybe the vocoder comes in in this part too chris you can correct me if i'm wrong um but it's like faded picture on the wall and then it's like kind of in the background like it's like they're talking to me it's like kind of meant to be like faded in mm-hmm. and out yeah it's a cool little call and response and then the whole verse is actually so disconnected no one calls the phone don't even ring she like kind of says that so yeah it's like back and forth i gotta get out or figure this shit out it's too close for comfort so obviously on the um radio they you know cut that but i thought it was i gotta get out boy figure this shit out it's too close for comfort um so not not much different but i always thought it was boy figure this shit out um, a lot of men have to figure yeah i don't know out. i don't we probably you. all do need to figure our shit out yeah. actually um she goes into pre-chorus again another chorus post-chorus you know uh, very chorus heavy another refrain um and then she hits the i don't want to call it famous but i'm gonna call it the famous rihanna bridge so it's a thing that like really sums up the whole song um and goes back in um and then she kind of you know goes not necessarily off beat but she will go more against the beat um at this point um and, and she goes into more singing releasing me from this curse i'm in trying to maintain but i'm struggling if you can't go oh 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 i'm gonna think ah ah uh, I mean, you know, not, not the, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to embarrass myself and I can't sing like Rihanna. Um, but if you can hear the bridge, or you listen to it, you know, that it is more different and it's a little bit more of a driving into the chorus again, um, too. So is this where she really like, uh, uses a lot of auto tune or the vocoder? Yes, I believe so. Um, mm-hmm. you can tell that it's different. So yeah, it's all Rihanna, off. but it is that like last little bit of, hey, like we're in this dystopia, disturbia, you know, that's kind of the reason why she named it Disturbia too. It's like dystopian, like kind of eerie, kind of all up in everything. So I think she does a great job at it, um, even though I misread like half the lyrics or misunderstood half the lyrics uh, from the song. Um, and now we'll be, be better educated and hope you guys will too. But it, I've learned a thing or Yeah. And it, it is a lot of that call and, you know, response type of stuff throughout the song. And a lot of those things where you're like, oh, okay. Like this is a disturbing song, which is the whole point. But also it's a disturbing song that landed on the top of the billboard charts. And for good reason, I think too. All right. Well, we have broken down everything regarding Disturbia by Rihanna. We're going to do one segment here. Again, we're changing up things on the top 10 back then. So if you guys want to go and check out, we'll be dropping episodes on it. Want to make sure that we get into all, all of everything because it's a fun segment. And I think everyone likes to hear the background around the song so that we're breaking down the top 10 back then. So the one that we're going to do this week is the Los Lovely Boys top five Rihanna song. So oh wow, this one was... Very, very, very right. hard. We debated on doing top Rihanna songs, underrated, and we're like, shit, both of these are hard. So we're just going to do our top five Rihanna songs. Boys, who wants to start it off? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Chris is yeah. the one that will start this off. So Chris, give me from five to one, your top five Rihanna songs. If you want to throw in an honorable mention here or there, you can also do that. I'll allow it for an ep- or an artist yeah. like Rihanna. Yeah, and this is going to be, I guarantee this is not the last we'll cover Rihanna. So bear that in mind. This will probably change next time we <laughs> talk about her. But um I will I will start with um I think I'll start with What's My Name. I actually really like that song um that's one that kind of gets stuck in my head every now and then um and i think rihanna's part is rihanna's verses are really really Mm -hmm. catchy um 
she's known for her great hooks, but those verses work really well when they do. Um, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna also go for, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be honorable <laughs> mentions. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with Unfaithful for number four. I love that song. Um, off of a girl like me, great little ballad. Um, I think, uh, I think we're gonna have to go with, um, Love on the Brain for number three. Great, mm-hmm. great song off of Anti. Um, and then number two is also off of Anti, but this is one that um, grew on me really quickly to become one of my favorites by her, Kiss It Better. Mm-hmm. Such a good song. Oh, my God. Like <laughs> it's, um, it's one of those songs, too, that I've heard a ton of remixes of, and I don't know that it's... I, I, I don't think any of them are bad. <laughs> um and I will also note that in every single one of these, I almost said a feature like her yeah, features, like you hard. said, Rihanna featuring Rihanna. And I keep, I keep almost assigning them to her. Um, anyway, number one's rehab, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love that song yeah. so much. Great one. <laughs> um, if, if you, uh, if you don't realize that that's Justin Timberlake um, on the backing vocals and the, and the writing that is, it's basically um, a JT just, song, right? It's a JT song that Rihanna just completely I'll take owns. It, yeah. I I love that song. Um, there are so many great ones, but I think for one, um, for one, really, uh, <laughs> okay, you know, I won't do a ridiculous one. I I will say we found love as my uh, honorable mention, just because it probably should have been in my top five, and I do love that song and. I will always love Calvin Harris. Mm -hmm. So well worth mentioning. All right. Well, I'll go next. Um, My honorable mention song. And if anyone out there knows me, this probably won't be surprising um, is pour it up. Um, That song is, yeah, that song is, is like classic classic Anthony song. I think it's just like, you know, Mike will made it. And it's just like, (laughs) You know, I don't know. It's just something about it. Shots, just, let's go. Yeah, basically, it just gets me going. Uh, so, poured up is my album mention, but uh, number five for me is "Take a Bow." Um, that song, I think, is like one that if you've ever had your heart broken or you have like been hurt, you listen to that song with anything, and it doesn't have to be a relationship. It's just maybe just you're sad. That's a great song to turn on. So, "Take a Bow" is my number five song. Number four for me is Bitch Better Have My Money um, off of Anti. Actually, that wasn't even on. Was it on Anti? No, it wasn't. It was a single single that didn't end up on Anti. Um, Huge song. I love that song. Um, It's hilarious to sing when you're drunk in the club at 1 a.m. and it comes on and you're like, hey, you know, like, brah, brah, brah. Like dot dot dot, yeah, it's just awesome. It's a great song, um, and it is just her. It's Rihanna doing trap music essentially, <laughs> um, and it it works. Um, she is a badass, and that is why that song works. Number three, one that Chris mentioned, "What's My Name." Um, the Drake verse is hilarious. Um, I mean, he says <laughs> he says the square root of sixty nine is eight something, right? Or so, and you're like, you're right. like <laughs> and trying to figure it out. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, and then Chris said the lyric <laughs> or the lyrics in the song are great, um, and she does blend it into a really really awesome pop song. Uh, number two for me is Ponda Replay. Um, that I think might be the first Rihanna song I remember hearing. Either that or SOS, but Ponder Replay was one of the first ones that were just like very, you could tell it was very influenced by where she lived and what she grew up with, and it was a a great song for her to put in. And then my number one song by Rihanna is probably no surprise either. We Found Love is my number one song. We Found Love might be in my top, 10 songs of all time actually i love that song i don't know what it That's is an endorsement. it is an endorsement but an i think i've i think i've told both of you this that we found love was one of my favorite songs still is um it's a borderline it, it really song. is and i i saw calvin harris back <laughs> in 2012 at Lollapalooza. he wasn't even headlining Lollapalooza at this him. point he was right before the headliners on the perry stage it's like the electronic stage 
and we had to dip early because we were going and seeing. I can't remember who we were going and seeing. I think we were going and seeing Avicii, actually. Rest in peace. Um, but we left and we heard we found love from pretty much a mile away. It was so loud. And it was one of those things that I was, wish I was there, but it is a great song. And probably my favorite Rihanna song. Well, it is, but maybe one of my favorite songs of all time, too, which is High Endorsement. All right, Stefan, give us your top five Rihanna songs. Uh, if you want any honorable mentions, you get those as well, too. Well, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine songs. Oh. Just while you guys have been talking, I've been writing in my notes app. Uh, I'm just going to pick them and try to rank them arbitrarily. All right. So five, I'll do Ponder Replay, like you said. Uh, this is our first taste of Rihanna. I talked about Bowling Alley Tracks. This is one that I bowled to. I feel like Laser Tag, sure. too, for some reason. This reminds Laser, me. Yeah. yeah, it's like a, a Kitty Bob <laughs> song. You just... <laughs> You you're with Dude, your friends. Shit yeah. to that song. You pay no mind to, and it, it's a great beat, great Caribbean sound. Um, four off her next album, SOS. Um, great song. Don't have to say much more about it. Um, three is a song you both had. What's my name? It's the production's really great. The Drake. Glad that we're all on the same page mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, one. it's just like the best uh, combination of corny campy and actually good yeah um that you can find yeah. number i'm at two right yep. oh god oh man there's gonna have to be some cuts two needed me um yeah, it's a, oh, one fuck, of the best really probably her, one of her best produced songs yeah dj mustard and, yes yeah weirdly that's mustard, mustard on the production. beat oh and it's not his typical sound but he knocks it out of the park and then number one, I agree with Anthony. We Found Love is probably my favorite Rihanna song. And yes, Calvin Harris had a huge part in this, you know, the song's production. And he, we should not belittle his part, but Rihanna makes it. This is one of those, and it, it's not a feature. It's, is it like a, it's a Rihanna and Calvin Harris song, right, Chris? It's Rihanna featuring. featuring. So I don't even I, care. I, I'm, it's I'm it's Rihanna featuring Rihanna. Yeah, I don't care. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and Calvin Harris really did well, but Rihanna. This is a case where Rihanna overpowers it, and um, it's really an iconic song in that decade that is out of the two thousands. Yeah, and it overshadows "This Is What You Came For," which is still a, an amazing song in its own right. But mm-hmm. I think when you make "We Found Love" and you try to replicate, you know, the formula, it's not going to live up, especially if it's in her top stuff. I, I will say this. I will say this. Whenever we come to doing top Rihanna features. This is what you came for. Okay. It's going to be at the like, if not my favorite. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, you so did. Much. So there will be more Rihanna discussion uh, when we continue this on. Oh, yeah. Maybe in yeah. months, years. I don't know. We'll see how long we go with this. Well, I had two honorable mentions that are album tracks that I didn't include in here. Uh, cool. One is Higher off Anti. Um, it's probably oh, shit, her most too. authentic song. Um, she's speaking about how she is drinking whiskey and she wants to smoke a joint with her lover and, uh, she doesn't know how to write. And it's kind of ironic because she wrote a great song. And then the second one I have is hard, um, with Jeezy. Yeah. That was when he wasn't young anymore. He, he grew up, he evolved. Yes, he did. So Yeah. I think I had one more album to mention too, actually. S&M by Rihanna. Great song. We mentioned it in oh, the Lady wow. Gaga oh, album, but... She has a ridiculous... I know, it is. None of us mentioned Rude Boy, I know, right? no. Like, and, of... like, S&M is wow. one of those that's like, yeah, it's it's sexual as hell, but, like, I mean, she just uses the, like, Chris talked about electronic, like, you know, sound. That song was pretty much an electronic song with her over it, and... Maybe it was a predecessor to yeah. her diving into EDM sound, but I mean, yeah, it. Yeah, she owns. Yeah, that it's sound. it's crazy to think of all that you could have. So, if you guys want to send, you know, your top five, or if you want to send anything that you think that we missed that should have been put in, I mean, it's tough, but you can always send that to us on Instagram, Twitter, email, anything like that too. We'd love to hear actually what your top songs are because that might give us some 
stuff to look at in the future uh, with Rihanna when we revisit some of her songs. That will wrap it up again for another episode of Over My Head, A Look Back at Pop's Past, presented to you by the Los Lovely Boys. Please make sure that you subscribe to hear our podcast as it drops, rate, review, everything that you can do for us. If you want to add your input, like I said, reach out to us on social media. We're active there often. You want to email us, you can email us at LLC at gmail.com and then make sure that you do follow us on all other social media we'll have polls up we'll be teasing what songs we're doing all those different type of things but for my co-host chris and stefan hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one we'll see you next time